0: This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. All right, welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, lead mastery coach at All-Star Dental Academy and president of Vickery Coaching. And I'm I'm blessed to have Robin Reese today. She's our VP of coaching at All-Star Dental Academy and oversees our hiring division. So she's absolutely an expert in today's topic. She's uh, also a certified HR consultant with Ben Erickson Associates. So Robin brings over 22 years of dental industry experience and in practice management. We've you think you're just a little ahead of me here, Robin. So she's, she's in HR, she's marketing communications, she's been in laboratory sales, and of course, dental practice coaching, and she's authored numerous articles and blogs on practice management topics as well. Uh, she's been lecturing around the country on employment compliance for dentists. Again, she's an expert in today's topic. In addition, she's guest faculty at the Panky Institute for its Mastering Business Essentials course. And then on the uh, personal side, Robin is the proud parent of an OSU sophomore and high school junior, (laughs) along with a a squirrel obsessed rescue mutt named Sophie. I got to be careful how loud I use the S word squirrel because Winnie's in here with me. So uh, (laughs) welcome, Robin Reese. We've been, you and I've been discussing hiring new team members a lot this year in 2020. And uh, I really want to get your insight so that we can help these dentists out with this. So thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, Eric, it's a pleasure to be here with you and go Buckeyes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking I was OSU, Ohio, Oregon, Oklahoma. All right. So Ohio, it's that's what it is. the
1: Ohio State University, just for sense. those listening. You that is know. good.
0: That is good. All right. I hear you. I hear you. So we did this part one of hiring uh, with Larry last week, and you and I, we've been talking with Larry about this, and we've had so many offices with Turnover And the questions we get from doctors, it's like, not only where do I look, but what's the legal side of it? And I thought, well, let's, you know, Larry's got this part down, all the experience here. You've got all the experience with the HR side of it. And I really want to pick your brain and just jump right in so that doctors can listen to this and say, all right, I feel confident in my my hiring abilities and the legalities of it. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And I am ready uh, to <laughs> rapid fire. <laughs>
0: yes. I'm going to grill you here. All right. So I'm a dentist. I'm a dentist. I've, I've used Larry's uh, ideas and concepts from the last meeting. I've got someone now. What do I do with an offer? How, how do I get them really uh, to, to say, all right, this is the practice I want to go to. How do I make them that offer that says, wow, that's my office?
1: Um, That is a great question. And I get that a lot with uh, practices I work with. And so it's wonderful if you have a choice, if you have several candidates that you get to choose from uh, and you want to make an offer. The last thing you want to do though, is don't offer them over a text. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You want to have that verbal, verbal conversation. You've been building this rapport and relationship during the interview process. They're interviewing you, you're interviewing them So now it comes to, I want to make that offer. I'd love for you to join my team, uh, Teresa. And, you know, this is what we've talked about. I think you'll be an amazing asset to our team as the dental front office coordinator. Um, And, you know, here's my offer of salary. Here's what benefits will be entitled. Um, And of course, at all times, we'll have an at-will relationship. And once that person says, oh, wow, that's great. Thank you. I want I accept. You want to follow that up in writing. And those are your offer letters. Now, there are two different kinds of offer letters. There's a conditional meaning, let's say that they are currently employed. So, of course, the professional thing to do is give notice. So during that two week notice, which is traditional, and sometimes they may need to give longer, um, you wanna do some reference checking and background checking. And we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a moment, but that's the condition of this offer letter. Meaning here this letter is to confirm our verbal conversation and your acceptance. Um, this is what it is. And you outline the role, the, the salary, the benefits, what the work hours are going to be as well as any licensing that they need to, to provide for you. Um, and that, again, that magical phrase of this will be an at-will relationship. Gotcha. Um, and during that time frame before when they give notice and they start with your practice, you want to be able to give yourself that time, those conditions, which is satisfactory um, background check and reference checking. So those I, are your, your I have a two question years, for you. you know, offer letters. Sure.
0: I have a question for you. So I'm thinking in terms of process before I've hired somebody, I've done some background checking. I've checked with references. So how does that separate? Like, cause if I'm, if I'm interviewing someone, I'm before I offer them, I'm, I'm making sure my references check and all those things. So timeline wise, what do you mean with conditional upon references, checking out? Give me an example of what you mean by that.
1: Well, you might be in a situation where you ha- you you want to make a good decision, you found a great candidate, and you don't want to let him or her go. I gotcha. And so you make that conditional offer. The other way to do that is unconditional. Ooh. If you've already done that, and you've had the time and the process to do that, mm. then you just automatically hand them a regular simple offer letter that just puts in writing everything you said. But I also find that a lot of times, dentists, they have a lot of time to invest on the front end of finding the candidate, and they want to capture that person, and they want to snag that person right away, gotcha. and they, we haven't had the chance to do those other um, tasks, so that's where the conditions come into play.
0: Gotcha. So I could therefore hire you conditionally in writing as long as these things pan out. Correct. So I grab and- a hold of you quickly, and I don't let you go to somewhere else. And I say, "Here's my offer to you right now, Robin. I want to offer you twenty dollars an hour, as long as you know your references check out and everything comes through satisfactory." Does that sound fair to you, Robin?
1: Yes, it does, Eric.
0: <laughs> and that's that. That's that verbal. So that's a verbal offer, and then the writing comes after that. So I'm assuming you have these uh, letters, these offers, examples. You must keep these on on hand for with what you do. You must have examples. Is that
1: right? There are lots of templates and yes, there is a go-to one that I use. Um, some practices like to be a little more elaborate, but don't confuse the offer letter with an employment agreement. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, again, it's the high level. Here's what we talked about. Here's what we agreed to. And then when the day you start, you get to fill out all your new employee paperwork.
0: I understand. All right. Now I'm hearing you say something over and over again. The doctor is making this call. All too often. I, I mean, I have clients locally that say, you go do this, right? I'm hiring you to go because they don't want to deal with it. What, I'm just curious, what would you say to doctors who don't do this part and they have an office manager or a consultant or somebody do this for them? Good, bad, the same?
1: Um, well, you know, I think it's part of, um, the culture, uh, that this doctor has presented as this practice. And I'll tell you a lot of candidates are impressed when it's not just the doctor doing this. And of course you want more ears and eyes involved in the hiring process. Um, so if the office manager makes the verbal, offer, the letter always wants to be signed by the doctor. And of course they always want to greet that new hire uh, on the first day. And I know we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. I'm getting ahead of ourselves. So (laughs) (laughs) anything else on, I found someone, make them an offer. Anything else that we need? I think I got it. I got the verbal. I got to make sure it's conditional. I could do the written part to follow up and then I'm checking references and then making sure there's a period of time that, that I know when they're going to start that two weeks or more. Anything else? Yes,
1: okay. absolutely. And, you know, to just speak about the the employer references and the background checks, uh, two very distinct ones. Um, I'm sure you've experienced this yourself. Uh, I have a lot of uh, doctors that will say to me, oh, you don't have to check, you know, employer references. They're only going to tell me, you know, nonsense anyway. I'll figure it out. I've got 90 days you know, t- to make that decision if they're going to be a good fit or not. And I would tell you that it is probably the number one thing that people that practices don't do. They don't check references. Um, but here are some sobering statistics. Uh, according to Inc. magazine in 2017, when they did an article, 85% of job applicants lie or embellish mm-hmm. on their resume.
0: <laughs> no <laughs> way. <I
1: can't>. 85%. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, wow. and because most dental practices don't check references, um, it's because most often it's lack of time experience. They don't know the kind of questions to ask. Um, and really what the employer references are about, uh, is just to verify the information that the applicant included on the application, you know, titles, dates of employment and salary, sometimes things like that. And the other thing that I hear a lot um, that dentists tell me is the reason they don't check employer references is because, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want somebody to call me. I don't want to give references. You know, I don't want to be accused of anything. And there are immunity laws out there that will protect a former employer who gives truth and fact-based references. So you are, you are protected by giving a truthful reference. And a lot of times, and I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Prosperident and uh, mm-hmm. David Harris, the embezzle, embezzlement company, they do a lot of investigation, um, a lot of embezzlers kind of count on the fact that people don't do background checks. Um, and, you know, one person can jump from office to office and kind of spread their, <laughs> their poison, if you will, when dentists don't check with one another to say, yeah. hey, I see that this person worked for you. What can you tell me about her? Um, this is not a long involved, you know, diary that you have to give or the- read their whole entire personnel file. What you want to get from an employer reference is basically five key things. Okay. You want to confirm the job title, You want to confirm the employment dates. You want to confirm, you know, what was their attendance like? Was it good, bad, poor, fair? Um, Did they get along with coworkers? Um, And are they eligible for rehire? Mm -hmm. Now, the bonus question to ask is, you know, and I shouldn't say bonus, but there are times when it's important to know and to verify a salary, uh, maybe for a, a more managerial role, um, if someone, um, hasn't had that in the past, but now they're stepping into it. Um, so sometimes the salary question can be asked other times it's irrelevant. Uh, but again, what that reference is doing is you are verifying the information already provided. Okay.
0: So you're giving me all these ideas and it creates all these questions in my mind here. So, uh, I want to make sure I got it. So everybody here us five keys, Ver- verify these things with the person you call their job title, the dates of employment, what was their attendance like? Basically drama, did they get along with everyone? And then eligible for rehire and then possibly salary. Now I'm in California, it's very much an employee state. There must be different laws per state because I know in California, I can't ask all these things, am I right?
1: Absolutely, well, uh, salary is is kind of the wild card, but to okay. verify um, title, employment dates, Attendance, that's all fact based. You don't lie about that. The data tells you that. Same thing, get along with coworkers. That could potentially be a question that a state could view as, you know, it's not relevant to the job. Um, but I think it does speak to are they a team player? Um so if you can't Absolutely. ask that particular question, ask it a different way.
0: <laughs> so am I understanding it incorrectly then with California because I hear all the time, hey in California the only thing you can ask that previous employer is would you rehire them again. Is that not true?
1: Um, I don't, I am not a California um, expert. I will tell you, California is like its own little country (laughs) with all of its um, very, very spelled out in detail, what you can and cannot do. Um, And and that rehire question I know um, is, is, is a telling question. And so what I just heard you say is that California will only let you ask that question. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. You you can call and say one thing and that person does not even have to answer if they don't want to. Right, correct. But but they can choose to answer that one question. So, you know, for my local clients, I know a lot of the dentists. And so I message them. I don't mention what office they're looking for. And I say, Hey, I got this, you know, Betty Sue looking for an office. What can you tell me? Because I'm not the one hiring. And so I can kind of get away with a little more and then I can give the heads up with my client and say, Yeah, I'd pass on this, or she's great. I'm hearing great things or He And so how do you, you know, how do you protect yourself? And so that brought up another question I have for you. Social media, are, are we allowed to go on social media and search their name and look at them? And, you know, they got this crazy profile picture. I mean, where do we draw the line?
1: That's a great question. And actually, no, that is a protected activity under the National Labor Relations Act, where you cannot make a hiring decision based on someone's social media presence. Wow. And you can't. Once you hire them, you can't terminate them because of what they posted on their personal uh, social media.
0: Oh man, this is getting crazy. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm putting down. I'm gonna put a no next to it. But you know, I'm. <laughs> you know, I'm still going to, Robbie. You know, still, I'm, I'm still gonna go look.
1: If you do, don't tell me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna go on Facebook and check. it
1: I out. don't want to know. <laughs> well.
0: Look, people lie on their resumes or applications 85% of the time you said, but Absolutely. I bet they're, but I bet you they're a hundred percent honest on their social media with their profile picture. <laughs>
1: <You> know, <laughs> that, honestly, that could, that could be, that could be true. You know, the other part of the reference check, if you're not going to do, if you're not going to call the employers, then I would highly recommend that you do a background check. Yes. Um, and you know, There are many companies out there, the services vary greatly, and there are also legal ramifications when you do a background check. And that's typically just looking at um, court records, local and federal. Um, You must use an accredited third party, meaning I can't um, submit or call the courts myself because I'm not an accredited person to get this information because there are privacy and, and protection laws Um, The Fair Credit Reporting Act is one of those laws that when you do use another um, company that is accredited, that they're going to use that information in good faith and not Mm -hmm. use it against the person. And so what that means is the um, Fair Credit Reporting Act governs how employers obtain and handle consumer reports, which includes these standard background checks for example, a credit check is not part of a standard background check. A credit check really only comes into play when someone is going to be given a lot of financial responsibility um, and handling money and things like that. So in that regard, yes, you and then you have to get special permission. You also have to fill out a special application that alerts, and California is one of them, that says, what are your consumer rights? You know, what are you agreeing to? And then if you want a copy of your report again for california you can request a copy of hey i want to know if they're going to run a background report on me i want a copy of the report and you can do that Wow. wow some states don't allow you to do that or you know they don't offer that um but for you know dentists who maybe are trying to sidestep and don't have the time to call those previous employers then i would again um uh make that commitment to do a background check because you know it's Better to discover something now than it is to be surprised later. And usually during the recruiting process, when I ask a candidate, you know, part of our process (laughs) is to um, conduct a background check. And is there anything you think that might show up? And uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, you know, you might know, or this might show up, or you know, everybody has a story." Um, some people are, you know, wild, crazy youths make some silly decisions. Um, but I can't tell you how many times I have had some applicants that something will show up uh, that the, they hadn't disclosed, and um, I've had situations where people have rescinded the job offer. Um, because it wasn't in alignment with their vision and values. Wow! So yeah, so they got they got to that conditional
0: place and went, yep. not going to happen.
1: Not going to happen.
0: So background checks. So what you're telling me, Robin, is <laughs> references, checks, and background checks. Those are not a waste of time. Is that what you're telling me?
1: I'm telling you, they are not a waste of time.
0: My my, I usually go. Whatever they have for references on their resume, don't bother calling those people because they're just going to give great references. But I've, but I actually had someone who was fired or like walked out, quit, like, and put that office as a reference because they knew that office was great. And it was like, why are you doing that? And it was one of those eighty-five percenters, probably you know, a prestigious reference. They're hoping you didn't call. So
1: absolutely, I tell. Absolutely.
0: Where, where's the legal boundaries on this? I tell. Dentist to call the previous employer, not necessarily the reference. You agree with that? Is that okay to do if if they haven't listed them as a reference? Can you call the previous employer?
1: Great question. And so that's why a dental application with their signature that says, I, you know, am allowing you know all the information that is that i've given is is true and fair and you know accurate to the best of my ability um and on the application it says may we contact this employer if they say no i respect that if they Uh say yes then yes i will call once they've either given notice um i don't typically call the current employer out of you know discretion and respect for the candidate but i will call previous employers um, to verify that, but I do get the candidate's permission first. And you're right, I very rarely call the reference list. Um, I always check with the employer. And if if I want to find out a little bit more um, from, a, say, a supervisor or a coworker, I know they're going to give a good reference. Mm-hmm. But then I ask more specific questions to really get at the meat of it. Uh, and you know, I I usually have great conversations with that and it really supports what I already know about the candidate, Uh, but asking and getting permission first before before doing that backdoor reference check um, is advisable so that you don't create any, you know, problems for the candidate because if you have several candidates uh, and then you don't offer the job to this person, but yet their employer now discovers their it could create um, <laughs> just some ill will and you don't want to do that.
0: No, that'd be a problem. Yeah. So you get that signature and you, you're more free to ask more questions.
1: Absolutely. All right. And if they say no, you can't contact them. I'll ask them why.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, what's that about? Right. Cause I don't necessarily want to talk to the dentist they're working for now. I might want to talk to the dentist they worked with before that. And before right. that, or it might not even be a dentist might've been another employer. And Absolutely. Larry and I talked about this a little bit in the last podcast. It was, you know, if I see a resume or an application where there's just a different employer every year, do you ever, <laughs> do you ever ask that person? Why did you leave this place of employment? Why did you leave this place of employment? Why did you leave this place? Do you get into that or is that pushing too far?
1: No, I absolutely ask. I couldn't help but notice. It seems that your average employment time with a practice is about 18 months. Tell me me more. Tell me why that is.
0: Why can't you hold a job? No. Uh,
1: (laughs) You know, it's interesting because there are people who are very go-getters and they might you know, step into a role and it just doesn't turn out the way it is. And the best thing they could do is leave to allow somebody else to come in who's better suited for the position. At the same time, it can't be, you know, I'm dropping, Oh, because they offered me a nickel more or, Oh, they, you know, um, you know, I, I like their uniforms better, (laughs) whatever it might be. You do want to look for stability.
0: Yeah. I try to explain to doctors when they're looking at, um, someone to hire and like, I don't want to pay more than $17 an hour. And I try to explain to them, you know, that $2 an hour is about $4,000 annually. Is that, I mean, do you ever get in that with doctors? Like you're, you're actually fighting over, you're actually fighting over $4,000 a year to not hire this person. I mean, I think sometimes doctors on the onboarding, I hear that term all the time, onboarding process, and they get in the negotiation. What advice do you have to give them about that when it comes to onboarding, negotiations, things like that?
1: Um, gosh! Oh, that—that's a whole other um, podcast for negotiating.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll hold um, that one. We'll hold that but, one.
1: But to really, to really understand what onboarding is about, it's really about the process of integrating a new hire. Um, with your practice and your culture, as well as getting the new hire, the tools, resources, and information that they need to become a productive member of the team. That's what onboarding is all about. Now, ask any HR professional and they'll tell you a typical onboarding program, a successful one, should last about 90 to 100 days. Ask most dentists and their (laughs) onboarding program is first what? What's onboarding? 90 (laughs) 90 minutes. Or, yeah, yeah. Typically, it's less than 30 days. <laughs> now, you know, there is so much to, to gain from that, um, from this onboarding process, this new higher orientation. Um, the first couple of days is very new and shiny, and it's the person really getting acclimated to their environment. But then part of this um, onboarding program is your 30, your 60, your 90-day Um, check-ins, reviews. Research tells us that those practices that have an onboarding program, it increases their retention by 25%. It also increases a new hire's productivity by 11%. And those candidates who do participate in a structured onboarding program are 69% more likely to stay with a company or organization for three years or more. Wow. So it really speaks to spending the time on the front end to really build that relationship and that foundation. Um, it also speaks to your culture as a practice. Wow. I have a training buddy. They've got me resources that were all set up and prepared for me on the first day. They've got, you know, um, benchmarks for me to hit over the next 90 days. Talk about an impressive, uh, um, first, you know, couple of days to, to begin a new job, especially if you're coming from a company that doesn't do that.
0: Love it. Love it. Yeah. And so I'm hearing you say clarity of expectations. Here's what we're going to expect of you every 30, 60, 90 days. I want to review this with you. And, and I would add to that adaptive behavior. I'm going to say whatever I have to say to get the job because I'm in adaptive behavior mode. And I, I can, I can put on that good face that, that, I can I can take it to that next level for a, for a while. I can't be in adaptive behavior forever. And so that 30, 60, 90 days gives you an opportunity to say, oh, you've reared your natural self, your ugly head, and now I see who you really are. and then you can decide, this is my conditional uh, out. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, um, statistically, I think you'll find out if it's a good fit in the first 30 days. And by the 90 days, that new hire should be able to function in their role with minimal questions, but still be learning towards mastery of that position.
0: How often do you see dentists say, I hate the hiring process. It's painful. I don't want to go through it again. I know this person, I don't have a good feeling about this person, but I'm going to bury my head in the sand. I'm an ostrich and I'm going to force this, you know, round peg in a square hole and I'm going to make this work. I mean- good, bad. You see that often. Why shouldn't we do that?
1: I do see it often. And usually it's more out of desperation and uh, candidate scarcity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they think, oh my gosh, like you said, I don't have the time. I don't want this. Um, I don't like doing this. I just want to get this person in, you know, the team is stressed. Um, And, you know, you've heard the adage and I I've heard you say it before is, you know, um, slow to hire, quick to fire. <laughs>
0: That's right. Hiring is um, guessing, firing is knowing.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, you know, having that um, that structure, that plan, those expectations, um, that understanding, making sure that you first of all know why you want this and what you want this person to do. Of course, you know, unmet expectations are resentments waiting to happen. So, if you're not clear and you don't have a, a, a really clear idea of this kind who's gonna be successful in this role, um, then anybody's gonna do. And to try and force it to happen, um, there are things you can train for and things you can't. Uh, I know we've had numerous conversations about what you can't train for. It's those soft skills. Yeah. It's the, yeah. the behavior, the attitude, the mindset. Um, that's really, really hard to train.
0: Yeah. So I'm thinking now about, I've spent all this time, I've done all the legalese, I've done it exactly how I'm supposed to. I don't want to go through this again. And, and I've said, I've even posted this on my social media. you know the surefire way to lose great employees is for the doctor to bury their head in the sand and keep a really bad employee because people won't stick around, you know, being uh, manipulated by another employee. They just won't do it. And the doctor won't fire that person. they're afraid to fire. And so I see this same office, you know, this happens in different offices. They got this one team member. And so they just keep hiring the, a second assistant, keep hiring a second assistant, keep hiring a second assistant because that second assistant will only last for so long with this, you know, Attila the Hunt or whoever she is, you know, she's like demanding. And so uh, what? How, how come doctors have such a hard time keeping these employees once they hire them? I, I mean, I'm looking at it from my perspective, what I see, but What are some things that we could do, I guess, or avoid or do to keep employees once we've spent all this time investing and getting them here?
1: Um, great question and great segue to you know what are five tips that I've learned on how you can retain those valued employees. Oh, I love um, tips. Aside from those five tips, um, definitely getting rid of <laughs> that <laughs> one bad apple. <laughs> yes, um, and that again is another whole podcast. <laughs> but I'm sure sh- I'm sure you've heard the adage, you know, people don't leave jobs, they leave managers and leaders. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so doctors do yourself a favor, do your team a favor, uh, save some stomach lining and let go of those people that don't belong in your practice. Yeah. Um, so once a, an employee is ready to tell you, I quit pretty much, you've lost them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to talk about five ways that um, that you can avoid or retain those employees before they get to that point. Okay. Now, what I will tell you is, you know, finding quality team members, you know, was difficult even in the best of times. Um, I won't even tell you what it's like uh, in these crazy unprecedented unprecedented times. Um, But according to a recent poll by uh, the Society of Human Resource Management, 73% of employers are finding it very difficult Uh, to recruit candidates that even have basic core competencies. You know, those soft skills that we talked about, you know, the ability to get along with others, uh, the ability to take um, constructive coaching and criticism, um, the ability to communicate. Uh, in in clear um, uh, language uh, written in oral. So, you know- You mean not a bunch of emojis? (laughs) (laughs) Right, not emojis. You know, knowing that that is, you know, what can you do to keep these valuable employees? Well, first and foremost, if you notice any behavioral change from a key team member, um, they become disengaged, maybe they're showing up later, they're leaving at weird hours in the middle of the day, possibly to interview for for a job. What you want to do is absolutely take notice and approach them and talk it out. That's your number one tip is talk it out if you notice this engagement behavior. Don't assume that they're ready to quit and don't make up stories uh, without first checking in with them. And you know, simply ask if there's an issue or concern that you can help them with because you've noticed this behavioral change. Which leads me to tip number two, which is show appreciation. Um, I can't tell you how many people that I talk to when I ask the question, you know, what's prompting you to look for a new position? And almost everyone says a version of, you know what, my doctor just doesn't appreciate me anymore. I feel like a number. He doesn't notice. He doesn't recognize um, my anniversary. He doesn't see all the hard work I'm doing. Or, you know, she just assumes that, you know, I'm always going to be the person to dump everything on and, you know, Value. They don't feel valued. They don't feel appreciated. So a simple thank you goes a long way. This doesn't mean you have to pat them on the head every five seconds. This is genuinely, authentically saying thank you. I value you. You bring such joy to this team. I really appreciate it hearing you talk to that patient on the phone. Um, you were so calm and professional and kind, and that's exactly the kind of you know team members. Um, that we want here. It's showing how much you appreciate what they're doing. Now, again, you can't stop somebody from quitting. And and there are times when, you know, birds need to fly (laughs) and you need to set them free. Um, But you can prevent it by engaging them um, early and often. Uh, Another one uh, that I have found works wonders is offering support. Now, you know, a lot of people will say, aside from not feeling appreciated, they just don't feel supported. Maybe they are taking on more responsibilities, but they don't have the tools and resources that they need um, to do the job effectively in, in you know, their mind. Um, it might be you know sending them to a class to learn something new uh, that will help them become better and become more valuable to the practice. But when you value your employees, you also value their time and energy that they're giving. Um, So you wanna ask what support can you provide to help them maintain that, that level of energy and make their job more rewarding? Um, which kind of goes hand in hand with tip number four is that is put some career goals and reach for them. Uh, Most practices don't have that corporate ladder, you know, to to climb and they don't have this hierarchy that, oh gosh, I can advance to dental assistant one, two, three, four, five, seven, then up to manager and then, you know, whatever. Um, So if you don't have that type of growth trajectory, what you can do is advocate for your employees to learn a new skill, um, develop more leadership qualities, um, send them to continuing education courses, connect them with industry mentors, um, provide opportunities for them to participate with study clubs. Um, You know, employers who do that reap dividends uh, for when they invest in their team because, again. What if you don't invest in your team members and they stay? <laughs> um, a note of caution, though. Um, I have seen where people will love their team members too much, meaning they hold them back because they're just that good and they don't want to let them go. But don't fall into that trap. Really. Talk to your employees, get to know them, know what their career goals are, and then help them achieve them. Put something in their their way, on their path, that you can help them achieve that. And last but not least, of course, is to invest in your employee um, retention. And that can be done in several ways. Uh, that can be done in reviewing compensation to make sure it's competitive. And you know, in these crazy times, uh, especially with the practices that have been hit, maybe didn't weren't able to get the loans, um, that are really struggling financially, know that there are other things besides money that will help motivate and retain employees. So ask those questions. Um, seek out new opportunities for team development. Uh, Ask your team for feedback. How can you support them? How can you invest in them? Um, What are those non-monetary ways uh, that you can retain them? And then finding out what your team members want to gain from the job and from your practice. And again, that goes hand in hand with those career goals. Um, We know that the best practices that create working environments to make their teams feel heard, seen, and connected are those that are thriving right now. Um, So, if one of your STAR members decides to quit, well, it's in your best interest to do everything you possibly can to retain them. Again, I can't emphasize enough, it's a very difficult time to recruit right now. But if that is... Um, the the way that it's going to to happen, then make sure you do your homework. Make sure when you are interviewing your candidates, and you take Larry's tips that you do get to that point where you make that offer. You do the background check or reference check, um, and that you have a structured onboarding pra- uh, program. Um, we know that the most successful practices create that kind of culture environment that helps their employees grow and thrive.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I want to make sure because people are listening that they heard all five of these number quickly. Number one was
1: Uh, talk it out. If they become disengaged, go to them, ask the question, how can I help you?
0: Okay. I put that as the lead. All right. Then two was show appreciation. They got to be valued. Just thank yous, things like that. I I talk about uh, the five love languages or appreciation languages. You need to know how your team needs to feel appreciated. So it could be words of encouragement, could be acts of service, could be quality time, could be gifts. We don't yes. do we don't do touch in the dental office. All right. <laughs> Number three, <laughs> offering <hope> <laughs> support. Yeah, uh, offering support. So invest in them. I think that's yep. great. Number four, career goals. Have them set some goals. I think people need a sense of accomplishment to want to stay as well. And so yep. if you're not investing in your team, then you're losing, you're losing ground, whether it's like you said, soft skills. I love that. And then lastly, invest in retention, compensation. Would you say including payroll taxes about 25 to thirty percent of your collection should be spent on paying your whole team does that does that number sound right to you that's the number i've been using
1: um anywhere from tw- and it depends on the specialty yep. practice too but okay for for general practice um i usually coach twenty 25%, uh, twenty five of- percent twenty twenty to
0: twenty five percent okay
1: all encompassing team compensation, benefits, taxes, all of it.
0: Yeah. See, this is the California getting in my way because it's so expensive in California. You start seeing with that payroll tax getting closer and closer to 30%. And so my really successful practice is realistic. Yeah. They they look at it and go, I've got to be at 30% to keep these people. And, and they share that number with the team say, Hey, our team payroll is at 29.5%. That's where I'm at. And they know there's no raises until we grow that collection number again. Is that fair?
1: That is so fair. And the more transparent you can be with your team, the more invested they'll be in the growth and profitability of your practice.
0: Except sharing what each other's making hourly.
1: (laughs) No, that's not what you (laughs)
0: want. Not that transparent. No,
1: no, those percentages, those numbers. Yes. To an extent. Yeah. You're not handing out everybody's (laughs) Taste
0: up. <laughs> love it. Love it. This has been great, Robin. So I'm going to have you on again. I definitely think I, I really want to go back and talk about just negotiation, uh, negotiating, uh, negotiating sure. to bring people on board. I think that would be a great podcast to do. Uh, I even think personality types. You know, we've been talking a lot about disc or maybe oh, yeah. Colby. That was another thing we've been talking about. So there's more the for us P3 to do. Right.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. Yeah. That'll be great. So I'm going to have you on again. We're going to do some more of this. I wanted to get this out right away to help people just really feel like. Uh, during these times, they knew. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm dotting all my I's, I'm crossing all my t's. I feel good about what I'm doing. Obviously, you need to be in touch with your state, with your HR person, somebody like like a Bent Erickson uh, consultant, like Robin. Uh, I, I think also some doctors may say, this is too overwhelming for me. And so All Star can actually help with hiring candidates through our recruitment services. Robin uh, does this. So if you guys are interested, you can send an email to heather at allstardentalacademy.com and she'll put you in touch with Robin and Robin will uh, see, you have room, Robin, to help. I know there's a lot going on right now.
1: (laughs) Um, At the moment, I would say it's first come, first serve. So sooner rather than later.
0: Yes, I hear you. I hear you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Robin. I really appreciate Yeah, all the the time you give me, I really appreciate it. I know the doctors will too, the office managers out there that are listening. Thank you for taking the time just to invest in yourself. And so until next time, go out there and be
1: Be an an (laughs) all-star.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Robin.
1: Bye, Eric. Thanks, everybody.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.